Hello and welcome to the 87th episode of Indie Radio, a weekly podcast in which we chat with the creative minds involved with the creation of indie games. I'm Brett Hudson. And I'm Ian Jones. Today we spoke with the creators behind the top three highest rated games from the 2020 Game Makers Toolkit Jam, which saw over 5,400 entries. First up, we had Itamal Ernest and Yotam Fried from LoneBot, creators of the top rated game from the jam. So I'm Itamal Ernest, and uh, me and my brother Mati, uh, we designed uh, like graphically uh, the, the We Are uh, You Are Now Possessed, and mm-hmm. we made games with uh, Yotam uh, for like 10 years now. 10 years, wow. Yeah, uh, quite a lot. We met like years ago when we started jamming uh, ever since. Yep. And uh, yeah, Yotam is a yeah. programmer, go and introduce. Yeah, I'm, uh, so I'm, uh, my name is uh, Yotam Frid in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we've been doing this thing for like a bunch of years now, uh, jamming, making games. And uh, I'm the programmer mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, uh, I'm also like a software developer on my, uh, as my, like, like my, uh, as my profession. You're both in Israel, right? Yes. Both okay. from uh, Tel Aviv, uh, born and raised here. Fantastic. The entire yeah. team was four people, right? It, it was you and your brother doing art, and then uh, you and Tom with programming. Um, and then, then we had Guy, yeah. yeah. We had uh, another friend join us mm-hmm. this time. Uh, he actually, this is the, sh- the second time he's joining us in a game jam. Last time he joined us in the, uh, the Global Game Jam, which I'm sure you've heard of. And um, he did the music. <laughs> he was responsible for the sound design and music. And he did, like, I'm sure you've heard his work. He, he did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I'll have to mention as well um, uh, Tombstone. What's, I'm sorry. The Living Tombstone. Yeah, the Living Tombstone. A friend of uh, his, and he, he's a really uh, incredible uh, uh, composer, uh, and he helped us with uh, the music. So, yeah. yeah, thank you if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> How do you describe the game to somebody who hasn't seen it or played it? It's a game, it's a puzzle game where you don't always control your actions. That's like the pitch. Mm-hmm. Nice. We actually went through the process of selecting it from a bunch of other ideas. Actually, in the winner's video, there, was, there were like, uh, there were two other games. I, I don't remember the names of them because I'm terrible with names, but Itamar mm-hmm. does. Yeah, Emergency Protocol and, and, and Time Lock. Time Lock, right. So they actually, they implemented the exact ideas that we had when we started the jam. We had like five different ideas mm-hmm. that immediately came to our minds and we, and we brainstormed and we tossed them around until we finally settled on this one. And, and these games, like, it, it was really reassuring to see that it, the two games that won yeah. actually utilized uh, some mm-hmm. of the ideas we had. So it just means we had good ideas. We discarded the ideas just because we didn't have the, the solution to how to make it... Uh, um, easier to to explain uh, visually, mm. like, and we uh, thought for hours and how to create this uh, much more easy and uh, much more appealing, and uh, we had no idea how to do it. And then these two games just created the the perfect example of how to uh, like create art and uh, uh, explain the mechanic through so simple, with so simple shapes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And really amazing. 
yeah, the, the entries this time, I think, were like above and beyond anything we've, we've seen in a game jump so far. So the fact that we've, we've landed first place among such high-quality entries is truly humbling. That's certainly something that you had going for you with your game was the simplicity of the visuals. Like it, as soon as you you know saw what was happening, it became really really obvious and apparent. How many iterations did you go through to figure out you know how to do the visuals and communicate to the player how their actions are not fully in their control? Not so many. We knew we had to uh, draw arrows like to make it. Uh, the easiest way just because we are in a jam and we don't mm -hmm. have time to overthink every step so yeah. we need to cut uh, cut uh, uh, the edges so arrows explain the best if you see arrow go right you probably mm -hmm. know what's gonna happen and the interface is also like really readable but uh, we try to make it as simple as possible because it's really really important to retain your scope in a game jam setting mm -hmm. like uh, a lot of effort, like I could say that, like a third or a fourth of the jam I spent programming the UI to move in certain ways that make it the most readable. Because we knew we had a confusing concept, and that if we if we screwed up with the user interface, you wouldn't be able to play it. A lot of polish uh, turned exactly. into uh, how do we explain uh, the next turn, and how do we explain um, what you need to do to create everything so all the polishes just to make sure the the, the player will understand what is going on in every second if, if i may add i think that a lot of the readability is uh gained through means which aren't necessarily like uh known to the player like if you go into the game now and you start playing you can see that immediately before uh possess turn your screen gets like a pink tint and we try to also establish like that pink means possession in this game, mm. and um, and yeah, and all sorts of like small touches, like small particle effects when the player is possessed, uh, a, a bit of screen shake when when is to 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 give like some extra punch, mm -hmm. an impact for the fact that you just lost control. So it's stuff like that that improves his, uh, readability. Yeah, I picked up on some of those small touches. I, I believe the head changes color, and then also the, the screen yeah. shake when you're possessed. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is a nice little touch. I, I kept watching the, the particle effect when I was possessed, and I, I also think possibly particle effect uh, when the player dies, but I can't recall, but maybe it was just an animation. It's like, oh, man, this is so juicy. It's a mix of both. <laughs> yeah, it's a mix of both. And that's our... Uh... That's a, that's a brilliant job of uh, Vitomar, of course. He he animates almost everything you see on screen. All the animation. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, really a challenge. It's always a challenge to uh, animate everything uh, Mati does. He trying to invent a new art style with every game, and <laughs> like I can't keep up sometimes. But uh, the more we do, it's uh, getting easier and and more like complicated in, in a simple way. I don't know how to say it other one. Game was really nicely polished and it like for it makes sense why it made it to the top. Were you expecting to come in first? Were you expecting to be, you know, in the top hundred even? Like was how how did, uh, how did all this make you feel? On the top, no. But yeah, I had <laughs> I had the, a gut feeling like we will be featured in the in the video, 
mm-hmm. and uh, in the top uh, 20, I think. Um, yeah. We managed to to be in the video uh, last year. Last no, time we participated, yeah, with yeah. Uh, What Goes with... Up, our last GMTK game. Mm. So, yeah, we are pretty confident with uh, our polish and our uh, speed of making games in gems. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of funny passes. because that's like our, our specialty. Like, uh, we really love uh, juicing our games up. We have an, an interactive talk that we give in a... Like in some academies in Israel, and some uh, yeah, in, companies in invite us. Here. Yeah, we we talk a lot about game juice and polish as yeah. as like something mm-hmm. conceptual. Exactly, game feel. So uh, we're kind of like adept at um, creating a game this fast and mm-hmm. making sure it also feels nice. It's like one of the most important things for us in a video game. But this time, uh, yeah, we definitely didn't expect to end up on top like that. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure that at the end of the jam. Like as it uh, as we submitted the game and uh, mm-hmm. we lifted our hands from the keyboards, like uh, Mati Itamal's brother said something along the lines of, "Okay, it's it's a nice game. We did our best. It's not as good as our previous one, but but we're proud of it." <laughs> and we and we all agreed. We all said, "Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's so you can like I myself. I wasn't even sure we're gonna end up in the video. I was. Mm-hmm. I really hoped so, but I wasn't even sure. So yeah, it's insane." Wow, that must have been a really great surprise then. Absolutely. Yeah, it uh, took us uh, a, a few days like to take it uh, to our house and said to myself, yeah, we, we just won the biggest global international game jam ever <laughs> created. And uh, to say it right now, it feels so weird and, and good at the same time. Mm-hmm. We've had a similar experience actually in the past, uh, and our reaction was pretty similar as well. Uh, we ended up getting featured by Apple on their okay. front page for an entire week, and we just, <laughs> yeah, we kind of lost it. Wow, yeah, uh, lost which, it for sure. which game is that? Uh, Infinity Room. It's a, a game we made for uh, Ludendorff, mm-hmm. uh, another uh, jam. Uh, and we decided after the jam to continue working on the game at, and make it a mobile game because we really loved it and we wanted to play it in, in our bathroom. Uh, like <laughs> yeah, and... that was we strived for a perfect toilet game. Yeah, oh, uh, and so, it worked. Uh, yeah, it really did. Uh, and we worked uh, like half a year on it, and then uh, we released it just uh, to to make ourselves uh, happy. And mm-hmm. from nowhere. Uh, Apple contact us, and uh, uh, there was an, an article in Pocket Gamer. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, yeah. they released the game in the worst time, and uh, uh, <laughs> everything was messed up with the timing, and blah blah blah." And uh, but this game is amazing. You'll see it uh, featured, blah 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 blah. And mm-hmm. then we got yeah, yeah. Then almost half half a million uh, downloads. Oh, uh, over over half a million actually. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, wow. we're way past that now. Yeah, it was a really, really, really crazy time, and mm-hmm. we never thought of like uh, being seen by so much people. Yeah, I just That's found nice it here too. on the uh, on the Google Play Store. Uh, if in a room by Lonebot, so that's us. I just got a new tablet recently, and it's like oh, I need to put some games on this. You know, I I need some things to You'll get break this in with. Yeah. So, how many games have you created? Ooh. Well, actually, we can go to our uh, Ludum Dairy page and see 
all of the games there, and then we can probably add up our global game jam <laughs> page, and then we can add up all our itch games, and you probably end up with about 20, 30 small games. Yeah, and like almost all of our games were exclusively made in game jams and competitions alike. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was there were like one or two games made for charity, and like a bunch more made for uh community projects and stuff but yeah it's always like in an limited format except yeah. in room. Yeah, right. probably in room and uh, make it juicy like uh, yeah. all actual that's the, the only two exceptions <laughs> yeah so how would you how would you say you split up your time during a game jam uh so like uh, I, I can sort of walk you through it, it it's 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 pretty messy i okay. Okay. Very <laughs> messy. Yeah, like we we often go insane when we do game jams, there's sometimes music playing and we start dancing. So yeah. I'm not gonna say like our experience amounts. Ninety percent of the time is we uh, like uh, turning the volume to max and start dancing, like yeah, or singing along <laughs> with the music just to get pumped up about yeah. developing a game with so little hours to sleep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, generally we start off by like we see seeing the theme and maybe grabbing something to eat and just like throwing ideas in the air. So like yeah. it, what immediately comes to mind has you know, we just spit it out and we uh, we bounce the idea around until someone has another idea and we just yeah. we keep talking about ideas and then we uh, call it while, long. exactly and yeah. while we're doing it I already start prototyping and uh, using placeholder art to maybe try to create a basic little game. I just mm -hmm. have to say when we do the pitch pong and everyone is uh, trying to uh, think of their idea of the theme we're trying to um, make everyone happy with uh, the decision we do so a lot of the times uh, the uh, thinking about the the game mechanic we mainly focus on the game mechanic at the start mm -hmm. uh, so we recreate everything like multiple times during all the 20 uh, 48 hours it's important to us to uh, so everyone will feel okay and happy uh, from the, the idea we are creating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because as long as everyone is happy with the idea, that means we can actually develop something that we like sits right with everyone. Because it it's not about like uh, making sure you you have fun because you're gonna have fun either way. Uh, it's about making sure that. Uh, we actually believe the idea can be good. If, if we're making a game which one of us believes isn't going to be good, so what's the point? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I've, I've entered some game jams before and had ideas that were like, yeah, this is alright, but it you definitely don't feel as motivated to like create something stellar if you're only you know like half in it mentally. A lot of the uh, problems I see people doing jams are like, like the biggest problem I see people running into is just they overshoot with their ideas. They say like, yeah, we're going to make a, a cool game and it's going to have a lot of enemy types and levels and stuff. So mm -hmm. we always have to cut back. There's never been a time where we didn't cut back something. We have to say, we have to put a line and say, okay, but it's a game jam and it's going to mm -hmm. be good either way. And it's important for us to uh, focus also like on polish and uh, readability and and how fun the game is. Mm -hmm. Moreover, than just like a cool concept with a lot of ideas thrown in. Yeah, and right after your time is uh, uh, programming the core mechanic and everything with uh, his beautiful uh, placeholders. Mm -hmm. um, they are beautiful. They're <laughs> and I, 
Matty and I starting start sketching uh, every idea, trying to think uh, about a theme, like a, a visual theme to uh, complement the mechanic. Uh, that's why we end up with the Day of the Dead, like possession and all the skulls, and just trying to make so everything uh, vibrant and colorful, just because we uh, wanted something uh, uh, less dark uh, for our possession. We didn't want it to be an evil possession, more like oh. out of control, silly, uh, blah, blah, yeah, blah. kind of crazy possession. Yeah. Like something uh, more loco. I think the original uh, like visual idea was you're playing an old man. Oh, yeah. Which had, it made us all sad, so we just... I really, really wanted to uh, to make this game. Like, the, the possession was uh, an old man uh, in the endless woods, uh, really dark ones, and he's getting lost. Uh, by his ideas and the possession was like this dep uh, depression and uh, memory loss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it, do it. <laughs> it, it was so sad. I, I'm no. glad we didn't go through it. <laughs> it, was, it was just terrible. Like, uh, in, in turn, like it was beautiful, but it, it, it was so, so depressing. So, no, yeah, no. we tried to go through to uh, something more cheerful. And no. we, I, I really love uh, all like. Uh, Mexican culture, we're really like, uh, we don't get to see a lot of it here in Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, we, it's not like in America where we have like uh, neighbors that we can just travel to. And what ends up being is that we don't get to see so much of the world, sadly. So at least we can convey some of that using video games. Like yeah, it, it's sort of a way to visit other cultures without actually being there, especially now in these uh, Corona times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really beautiful. You mentioned cutting back ideas. Uh, what were some of the ideas that got cut out of the current game? Ooh, I want to talk about the cut mechanics. <laughs> I actually programmed in three additional mechanics without even asking oh. Mati. Yeah, was, uh... yeah, and they, and <laughs> they just like, the next morning they woke up and they say, what, what is this? We didn't even talk <laughs> about this. And I just, like, I stayed up like two more hours. I went to sleep at like 5 a.m. And I just implemented all of these ideas. I had to get them out of my head. So we had like um, we had like buttons that you could push uh, the va the vases onto to keep doors open. Mm. And yeah, and uh, we had spikes that uh, oh, yeah, would go up and down with each step. So you would have to time the, have, uh, your passage. Yeah, we had an idea to create a gate, like a laser gate or something like this. Uh, gate. You can uh, go through uh, if you're possessed only, and if you're trying to go otherwise, you're dead. So trying to uh, play with the possession mechanic to create a new, uh, uh, how do you call it? Like new levels. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Had, it, it would have expanded the level design a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I think I also project them in... Uh, Enemies being able to carry keys, so you would, oh, wow. you would be. Yeah, that game got like a little bit complicated, and I'm glad we, uh, I'm glad we didn't dwell too much on like um, implementing these mechanics because otherwise we wouldn't have had any time to f make the levels themselves. And speaking of which, we had to like we had to basically speedrun the level design. <laughs> yeah, it but was the they just did an insane job there. Insane. <laughs> yeah. It was so close to the uh, submission uh, time. Thirty with, seconds. Yeah. <laughs> oh my game, like, yeah, yeah. It was so close to to be out. 
<laughs> so stressful. I can imagine. Yeah, 30 seconds to spare. That's like if, if your internet had gone out or anything technical had happened. Oh, actually, something technical did happen. But oh, my goodness. Was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a crash. Like, we, we started the game, and then I saw that the tutorial just hanged, and then there was an error, and I, and I went insane. So I just like, no, 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 we gotta, we gotta submit, we gotta submit, we gotta submit. So I emailed Mark, and I told him, here, we submitted, just please, please, please let us resubmit, we have a crash. And he did, and we were so, so thankful. We, we, we actually ended up, like, submitting uh, 10 minutes after the deadline fixed version, and we also found that the web version worked, and we were so ecstatic about it. It was such a relief. Yeah, it wasn't fun for my heart. Yeah, we lost like, a bunch of years <laughs> over that, but, but yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the web version, uh, is, it runs really well, and then um, I, I like when you, when you finish the game, the background of it kind of fades in with the, uh, the rest of the page. Um, yeah, that's nothing. He yeah. loves designing each pages. He's, he's the master of it. <laughs> he's an extremely visual person when it comes to like, everything, basically. And he'll be so happy you said it. <laughs> yeah, he will. He will, he will love it. He really loves like setting up the most beautiful pages and menus and whatever. Fantastic! I'm glad to hear. Yeah, I'm I'm a web dev by by day. <laughs> that's that's my job. So I, I'm actually, yeah, I'm a front end developer as well. Oh, right on. Right on. I attribute a lot of my uh, passion to uh, polishing my games. To my as like uh, a lot of that comes from uh, my uh, experience with UIs, I guess. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of like. Uh, there's a lot, a lot in common in a UI, UX design, web design, and uh, mostly UX. UX. Yeah. So one, one thing that I did want to ask about is the enemies. Uh, they were such an unexpected but really interesting addition to the game. They, they fit really well with the mechanic, but I imagine that it was possibly a little tricky to get them to work well with it. Did you have to iterate on them much, or have to, yes. you know, like, yeah, really I, think about it? The, the original uh, idea, uh, like, I didn't communicate good enough to Yatam, uh, and that's why it got, like, to be a more puzzle game. I really wanted to make it a more uh, of the arena-type uh, mm. game, when you move and most of Ooh. the puzzles are uh, enemies coming with uh, different patterns and uh, stuff like this, but then we created a puzzle and uh, we tried to make it uh, uh, like it was mainly your Tom's idea to uh, do uh, the possession attacking and not the character and we fell in love with the idea uh, so we just had to uh, implement it in uh, yeah originally the, the player could attack whenever he wanted and we just removed that but we I like programmatically I did iterate a lot on the enemy behavior because in such a limited time frame gotta set up like a pathfinding solution and make it step based and I also like regret not like ending up giving him some sort of telegraph to tell a player where they're gonna go next mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm pretty glad with how they turned out yeah that would have hmm that would have been interesting to to see yeah and then you would have been able to plan better but I think it's fine because there's only like two or three levels with them and um they're not that much of a hindrance, mm -hmm. at least from yeah. what we've seen. You can go and uh, solve the the two uh, puzzle with enemies in <laughs> two ways, and that's it. So it's a trial and error, and I'm pretty sure uh, we try to create the the puzzles with the enemies uh, with the most uh, 
energy and power you can get through a puzzle game uh, where you can attack when it's not your attack. And exactly. I'm pretty sure uh, we managed to do it with all the, the unpredicted movement and the kind of predicted attacks you can control. Is there anything else that you'd like to say before we wrap this up? Maybe you'll see uh, this game uh, as a half full version. We, we will maybe recreate it uh, as an extended version of it. Ooh. We kind of love the, the, the idea, and we right now trying to make it either a, a puzzle game with much more levels and the mechanics we talked about, mm -hmm. or a, a kind of a half um, adventure um, with kind of over uh, open world scenario. Mm -hmm. I'd be very so, interested. Yeah, there's a lot of directions. Yeah, a lot of directions to take this. We'll see. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Next up, we have Leko, the creator of Restless Wing Syndrome, which came in second place in the GMTK Jam. Hey everyone, my name is Leko. I'm a game developer from uh, the East Coast of the U.S. I play second in the uh, GMTK 2020 Game Jam. That's pretty much the most interesting thing I've done so far in terms of game development. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing some more stuff in the future. Sweet. Yeah. So tell us, uh, what what have you done before this game jam? I've worked in in mostly just game maker for. Mm -hmm. I mean, since like 2016. Before that, I was um, I was kind of just fiddling around in Scratch because. Um, that, uh, in middle school, we were kind of forced to do that, so <laughs> that's kind of how I got introduced to the whole game-making thing. But yeah, I've, I've made other small projects, but none of them I have thought have been good enough to release, I guess, or I just didn't get around to finishing them. That's kind of, that's kind of why I love game jams, because they kind of force me to finish things and actually get them out, out there, because I have issues with you know keeping the scope in a reasonable area. Especially when you're when you're starting out and you know like learning so much, it's it's so tempting to just start another project and be like, oh hey look another thing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that happens all the time. Right I'm sure on. it happens uh, to other game developers. <laughs> uh, what other jams have you have you joined? So this is actually my second one. The only other one I've done is the uh, GMTK one from last year. Mm. I just think the uh, the forty eight hours is like the perfect length for me because. It, it just keeps my interest the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Were you surprised coming in second? Oh yeah, yeah. It it, it was. It, it felt like a dream. I think um, I saw the video, and since I'm the first one in the video, I pretty much just watched it, and I immediately got out of my chair and just like ran around the room three times because I was so <laughs> ecstatic. I talked to a lot of people. I talked to a lot of people, other people that did um, games. So. We did. Uh, I did a lot of game swaps where you know, like I'd rate somebody's game and somebody else would rate my game. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's like the only way to sort of get at least above average is to um, actively put yourself out there. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talk with other creators. Uh, what? How? How exactly was that organized? Um, so there was a Discord channel, and people would pretty much just say in the general chat or whatever, mm. like you know. I'm doing a rate for rate, so you can DM me your game, and I'll play it and rate it, and then I did the same for them. Cool. 
and I oh. did that over and over again for for multiple days. Uh, what were some of your favorites that you got to play? Um, a lot of the ones that I played um, placed as well. Um, one of my favorites was um, I don't know if you saw between a clock and a hard place. I think it was called. Mm. It sort of within my vein of like you know I think that's you know interesting twists on platformers are really interesting. So it was cool to see another you know really well executed one. Was that the one that rotated the world? Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was on a timer, and the world would rotate. Yeah, I didn't play, but I saw it in the in the wrap up video. Let's give that a that a try. So as far as the idea for the game, like, did you did you go through a few ideas? How did you settle on this one? Um, I pretty much had this idea from the beginning. I mean, to be honest, I pretty much just exclusively made platformers for like however long I've been doing this. So I knew that that was sort of the thing I wanted to do. And I think Mark even said in the video, like, the, the idea isn't super original, right? Like, a bunch of other people thought of it. But yeah, I mean, I just saw a lot of potential, and I knew that I would have to add something, you know, make it special if I wanted it to go anywhere, I guess. So I, I didn't play yours before the jam was over, but I did play one that was, that was similar, um, Cockatoon. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember playing it and going, wow, this is a great idea, but I don't think it's executed quite well. Like, it's... The game was very fiddly. It was hard to really, like, feel... Like, it, you felt a little bit too out of control. Um, mm -hmm. And, like, your, your mm -hmm. twist on it felt a lot more... Like, there was still that element of, like, you know, you got to be careful and, you know, things are going to happen without your explicit permission. But it was more refined, I guess. Basically, I I did notice that during the during development. I was like, oh, well... I mean, if you fall off a ledge and you are just falling with no control, I, I just felt like the the timing windows were a little too strict, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I so I think the glide was just kind of a natural uh, evolution of that. As like, oh, let's give the player control in the air if they can't, you know, if they can't actually jump. Mm -hmm. I really liked. Um, Cockatoon because you jump to the music, which I thought was really cool. Really cool idea. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like combining a rhythm game and a platformer. But um, I really wanted to have it so that you know the the jump timer wasn't um, constricted to the music. I mean, I I don't even know if I could have done that because I'd have to make the music beforehand. But I just really wanted to make it so that you know multiple levels would have different um, jump charge times and things like that. You know, it, it caught me by surprise. All of a sudden, I was jumping super fast. But mm. as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, this opens up the door to, like, so many interesting levels where, you know, you mm. could have a really long period uh, between or you could constantly be jumping. Yeah, it was a blast to design things around that. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I'm partly curious if you have uh, any plans to do more with this concept or if you're just looking to the next thing you're going to like start like be back to a completely separate game or like what, what are mm -hmm. your uh what are you looking at doing going forward so um i've been working on a game it's another precision platformer um so i'll probably finish that up and then i do actually really want to expand this idea because you know i see that a lot of people like it so i i definitely want to add a bunch of more mechanics and you know different worlds and things like that um so that'll probably be what i work on next 
after you know any mini projects that I want to try out. Have you have you tried out any uh, engines besides Game Maker? No, I pretty much exclusively stuck to Game Maker. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I'd love to try like Unity and things, but I'm just really comfortable in in um, GML as of now, and I I kind of just want to sort of get that down so I can sort of make whatever I want in it and not have to feel, you know, confined by my skill set before moving on to something more complicated. Were there any mechanics that you were hoping to add? Sorry, uh, adding to Restless Wing Syndrome? I'm, I'm guessing yes, because you're, you're planning on working on more. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so there were, there were definitely a few ideas that I, I wanted to get around to add, but, I mean... I kind of just wanted to focus on sort of the ones that I thought were the most interesting. I was going to have a collectible that would like replenish your glide in midair so you could do like crazy complex things where you'd never touch the ground for like, you know, 30 seconds or whatever. Um, That was pretty much just ripped from the dash crystal from Celeste. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. I definitely just wanted to keep it simple and doable within the 48 hours because adding more mechanics would just mean adding more levels, which uh, would be more time. So, yeah. Yeah, that is always a a tricky thing with game jams is you can add all these mechanics, but then you have to build enough levels to really explore them. Yeah, exactly. And you have to make sure the, you know, the player isn't getting bombarded by new information all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it was a very nice length game. Um, I, I believe you had just about the same amount of levels as uh, the first place you were possessed. Uh, you had about 15, right? Or was it... It was uh, 17 total. 17. But, yeah. Ian, I, I think you made it through all but the last, or all but the last two? Yeah, definitely made it through most of them. But mm-hmm. uh, there's also an interesting element uh, playing it the way that we did, because we were almost like racing each other through it. We started at <laughs> Pretty oh. much the same time, and uh, it, ju- it it made it a little more uh, challenging because I was you know trying to go quickly, and then it's like that doesn't really <laughs> work well for some of those levels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Made silly mistakes on my part. I just, yeah, uh, yeah. The stress I could see getting to you if you're doing doing a race <laughs> in a game like it was that. Fun though. Yeah. Yeah, I I ended up finishing it. the The last level just. I should have muted myself, but I let out some rather loud sounds. <laughs> no! No! Well, that, oh, was, uh, that was the intended effect, so I'm glad. Yeah, at one point I had gotten all the way to the end and was like, yes, like, I'm about to do it. And I jumped when I had one more spike to clear to the end of the level. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that's got to hurt. <clears throat> The game is very, very precise. Is that something you plan on keeping uh, when you revisit it? Yeah, so I definitely want to smooth out the difficulty curve, um, especially around, like, I think it's, like, level 13 or 14. Um, there's mm-hmm. one where everybody just got stuck. Like, everybody that I saw play it would just get stuck on it because um, you have to basically skip a one of those timer pickups at the beginning and then oh, do, yeah. like, a whole level and then go back. Yeah. yeah, so that would just make people, you know, not want to play it. Um yeah, and I definitely want to, you know, delete a lot of unnecessary spikes, like, especially for the first levels, I just want to make it so that if the player, like, does everything that I'm intended, there shouldn't be 
really a timing window for it, right? Because mm -hmm. it's just to teach them. Makes so sense. yeah, I think I definitely, you know, could have could have done better with that. Yeah, is there is there anything else that you feel like you would have changed? Had you been given more time or had the, you know, hindsight? Um, yeah, so a lot of people said that it was difficult to look between the timer and the actual bird. So, because, um, you know, one was in the top of the screen, one's in the middle of the screen. So, especially when you're doing, you know, difficult challenges, it's a little bit annoying to have to look back and forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'd probably make... I'd probably add like, you know, like maybe a, a little bar actually above the character that counts down instead of, you know, in the top, like way away from, from where your character actually is. That was definitely something that I heard a lot. So yeah, I'd probably fix that. Also, you did all the art and music yourself? Yep. Which would you say is your favorite part? Well, design definitely takes the cake for me. And then it's probably the art. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> I... I, I go through phases where, like, you know, for a month or whatever, I'm, like, really into, you know, improving my pixel art skills or really into, you know, doing, like, chiptune music or mm -hmm. learning design philosophies. There's never really an overlap. Like, it's always like, oh, okay, this month, you know, I want to get better at this, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. As far as design philosophies go, are there any that you have read about and apply to your own games? Um, well, I, I wouldn't really put a name to any of them. I mean, mm -hmm. I usually just sort of look at things that, you know, my favorite games do that are like the mm -hmm. ones that, you know, I want to make. And then I just sort of take inspiration from that. So have you, have you like broken down how, you know, a certain game will do all of its like physics? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you watched, um, Game Maker's Toolkit's video on um, Celeste's movement, but I think that video alone has taught me like <laughs> most of of what I abide to about mm -hmm. just like making it seem like it's never the game's fault for what you're doing. Celeste does a lot of of little tricks where um, things like I don't know if you've heard of Coyote Time, but it's basically mm -hmm. where um, yeah you can still jump even if you just you know left a ledge, or the fact that you can you know, press jump a few frames early and you'll still jump when you land. Just like little things like that. The the spikes in Celeste and in my game are bo both have much smaller hitboxes than it actually looks like. I think they're about half the size. Let's see, what else? A lot of those tricks I actually didn't have to um, design because the jump was actually on a timer this time, mm -hmm. so that actually saved me a lot of time that I probably would have put into just making it feel more fluid. So, given that you did do the art and the music uh, for the game as well, and whatnot, the art and the sound, I guess, as a whole, really, uh, I was curious what tools you used for that. Were you just using, like, the built-in editor for uh, Game Maker for the art, or were you doing, like, something um, completely separate? <laughs> yeah, so, I um, I took a palette, um, I forgot what it, exactly what it was called, but uh, basically, you know, every every piece of art in the game was designed with with the palette in mind. Um, and it was all done in the actual um, Game Maker sort of, you know, sprite editor. <laughs> I think the backgrounds I did in uh, Paint.net and uh, the thumbnail. <laughs> and, yeah, I've never really used anything more complicated than that. Um, 
for the sound I used uh, bfxr.net. I don't know if you've heard of that. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, and then some of those sounds I just put into Audacity and just gave them like you know echo effects or whatever, layered them on top of each other. Nice. Yeah, that sounds very similar to what I do for game jams. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not very time consuming at all to to stick to uh, things like that where you're not recording anything. As far as delegating time between the multiple disciplines that go into making a game, did you find yourself setting aside chunks for programming, for music, for art, etc., or did you kind of just jump around as you went along? Um, yeah, I pretty much just jumped around. I wanted to make sure that a sprite would look good at a certain size because, you know, there's no... All the pixels are the same size in the game. Like, there's nothing that's scaled up. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, everything had to basically fit within the world as the actual sprite. Um, And as far as as delegating time, I pretty much just jump around. Um, I didn't make music until the very end, though. That was in, like, the last two hours. I just something together i had a i had some you know melody and things laying around mm-hmm. so i just kind of are there any upcoming jams that you're hoping to participate in um not really i mean right now i'm just kind of focusing on you know the thing that i've been working on for uh you know the past however many months i, I this is pretty much just a detour for me um mm-hmm. just because i i love you know what mark brown does and i and i i loved uh participating last year so this is kind of a special one for me that I just love to do. Right on. That's. Uh, would you have any tips to give to other people that want to participate in game jams? I mean, in terms of game jams, you just got to really keep your scope in mind. And um, definitely something that I've learned is to take care of your body as much as possible because you can get so much more done at peak performance than you know when you're hungry and sleep deprived at, at 2 a.m. or whatever. Um, so yeah, don't ignore, you know, sleeping or eating um, and just try to plan everything out beforehand because changing things will just cost you time. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This was awesome. In our third and final interview of the episode, Pink River programmer and artist Hannes Rahm joins us for one last chat. To start, would you like to give us the elevator pitch for what Pink River is? Uh, If you even have one. We don't really have an elevator pitch. It went through so many like metamorphoses on the concept stage uh, as we started thinking about it. So we, we just kind of converged on, on, on an idea. We mm-hmm. didn't like, put it into words that much. But I guess it's a game about uh, going down a river on a raft that you can't like, control uh, from the theme of the, of the game jam. Um, and instead of steering the raft you rebuild it uh by picking up and putting down different blocks or boxes or whatever Mm -hmm. um so that's the that's the thing with the game i guess so you you mentioned multiple team members Uh, how big was your team we were three people Mm -hmm. um and uh it's uh me my brother and his uh the singer in my brother's band and they were the uh (laughs) they were the audio some music and sound effects team. And yeah, I think they were, they were great. Uh, Tommy, who is, uh, who is the singer, he, mm-hmm. he's like an avid gamer. And my brother is not. And actually some of the main, main ideas came from my brother, which I think is kind of like, 
he, I mean, he does play a little bit of World of Warcraft, but not a lot mm-hmm. else. So maybe he has some like a little bit less filtered ideas, mm-hmm. which I think helped us in in the end. Gotcha. Yeah, maybe like less structure, so they were more just like free forming, sort of saying. Yeah, yeah, and and not like burdened by knowing about like the fifty games that have a, a riff on the same same game idea. Because mm-hmm. and yeah, you you get a little bit you know, uh, hamstrung or or if you feel a little bit limited by knowing about all the, all the different different games and uh, what they do. I assume from the roles that you brought up earlier that you not only did all the programming but also all of the artwork for the game. All the code, all the art, uh, all the like communication. I also streamed the entire process. Oh wow! Uh, the entire time. Yeah. Uh yeah, pretty much yeah. I sent off my girlfriend and uh, my son to to her parents, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I was just like alone, in the middle of what what should have been like a vacation. And I I stayed up late and I <laughs> clicked the keys and uh, tried to figure out cool cool stuff to do. And it was really like a really fun, uh, fun thing. I haven't run a or done a game jam in in quite a while. As far as the idea, you said that you changed it quite a bit. So what did it begin as, and how did it you know turn into the, the final product? Um, we had some ideas. So maybe I, I'm not exactly sure about the chronology of the, the different <laughs> ideas, but uh, we we had a ship where there were boxes on top of it uh, mm-hmm. and the rudder had broken and you have to push the boxes left and right to kind of tilt the ship. Mm-hmm. That was like the original idea. And then that became like a, a train where there was a Norse black metal god with a guitar that could summon lightning. That was for a while while we, while we were discussing. <laughs> and... Uh, then soon after that, we came back to that that first idea, mm-hmm. and my brother said we should be able to pick up different parts of the raft and make it make it different different shapes. And then the kind of the tilting tilting part faded out, and the just just the picking up and re rearranging mm-hmm. uh, kind of took over. So yeah, I think that that was sort of the uh the way the the idea idea came about it's it's interesting how the design makes you have to think about how you build your raft because you have so many pieces at one point i was thinking oh hey i should build very horizontal that way you know if if some pieces get taken out you know i only lose two or something but then when you're moving then you like segment your your raft and so then you're like maybe i should build it more vertical but then you have to move a lot of pieces and you could, yeah. you could lose like six pieces at once if you hit the, the rocks. What did you do to try to, you know, balance that? Or did you take that into consideration with your design at all? Like like a lot of things, I think you, you start with something and then, then you find things within the design, like but just by playing. Mm-hmm. I tend to, when, when I'm, when I'm like uh, capital D designing a game, it's mostly me like, coming up with a simple idea, playing it, and then seeing mm-hmm. what comes out. And same with this. Um, so 
some some of that was just by the nature of the idea, I think, and it wasn't really designed. But there there was some things where people said, "Oh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna build a, a long raft. How how would then then I wouldn't have any problems." And then, as you say, like uh, if there is a rock coming at you uh, from from ahead in that column, then you have a lots of th things to move. And then mm -hmm. we also added the the spitting enemy, uh, the merfolk. Uh, mm -hmm. They they also incentivize you to kind of build more of a a place where you can dodge things. To to change gears a bit, uh, you mentioned your Twitch stream earlier, and I know when you're working on Hell is Other Demons, you were you're streaming quite a bit, and you're still streaming your latest project. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I've I've been I've been streaming uh, for a while. So I do I do mostly game dev these days. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of those terrible people who kind of switches projects all the time. But <laughs> so currently what I'm doing is actually trying to polish up Pink River a bit to to some kind of maybe something that I could pitch to someone or something that that I could release. Um so currently that that's what's on the menu for for, mm -hmm. for streaming. I just got back from a little bit of a vacation, but I do like I try to stream office hours as long as I don't have anything that I can't show like for NDA reasons or maybe I do some contracting work to to make ends meet or whatever. But otherwise mm -hmm. I, I try to keep on stream. Uh it keeps me focused and keeps me accountable <laughs> and you know, like if, if you you try to do something full time and you're just one person now I'm, luckily like i have the the audio department uh loosely attached to this project too it gives mm -hmm. me a little bit more like social interaction but uh working from home getting up in the morning getting the kid to to daycare and then just sitting down and if i didn't have any like stream or anything like that i think i would go a little bit crazy I started streaming recently too, and just having that social interaction and, like you said, the the pressure of being like, "Hey, I need to I need to focus on this and make sure that I don't get distracted." Because, yeah, and at this point, it's like it's doesn't feel like pressure. It feels more like a guiding hand to kind of, mm. okay, so I need to remember that this is not like <laughs> just play. It, uh -huh. it is uh, I, both that I have to kind of. I don't I don't try to be entertaining, but like if I if I get too bogged down in something, that is usually not good for who's watching, and is usually not good for like me as a uh, as a developer. Uh, so I try to try to keep like moving forward, even though I'm I'm not always hitting that target. And like if you do two hours, you can you can like focus on 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 streaming. Uh, mm -hmm. For two hours, right? And yeah. if if you stream every day all the time when you're making something, then it's like not super focused on like the streaming aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm still I still have to like work. I can't make everything just entertainment. Yeah. But uh, uh, but I find it good in in many regards, like for how how I work and how how that fits into like my social situation. Like with these weird times we're living in now, I feel like I, I was, I've been preparing for this for, for a little bit. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that same sentiment from a, a few folks and it, 
it always kind of just makes me laugh. It's like, yeah, the, the modern world is very equipped to handle this, and some of us more so than others. Um, and seeing some people like having a really hard time adapting versus folks like us just being like, yeah, it's just... It, it's the same. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's business as usual, uh, as far as, as, as that part, like the social, social stuff goes. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I wonder like for the future, what, what, what kind of impact this will have on, on, on the workplace and, and so on. Yeah. There's been a lot of, um, adapting in communication just between friend groups and, you know, families and, and I, I'm personally excited to see how these make people think about communicating, uh, and staying in touch with folks going forward. Hopefully a lot of people get good habits out of it. I can also see a lot of people falling into really bad habits. Yeah. Yeah. It's bound to have some effect. Uh, I think <laughs> it will be interesting. Were you expecting to, to place high in the jam? I don't know. Like, uh, I definitely didn't. I was thinking I can probably make top 100. Mm -hmm. That was my, like, my thinking says, so I've done this a few times. I know that the audio people are good and that is where I've been lacking, uh, previous years, I think. And mm -hmm. I felt like I had, uh, for various reasons, I, 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 I felt driven this time. So I, th I was saying, okay, so if I don't score or place in the top 100, I would be a little bit disappointed actually ending up in like the overall category in third place <laughs> that was a little bit surprising not gonna not gonna lie um so a lot a lot of I, I think i think we were a little bit lucky uh from like the amount of attention we got and i'm mm -hmm. not i still like as i'm figuring out what to do with this like which way do i push to to if, if i want to make a commercial release out of this which way do I push? I'm not entirely sure exactly mm -hmm. what people saw in it because there was some, some like seed of something good in there, I think. And then there was, you know, the algorithm and there was some, some like, uh, itch, itch stuff. And, uh, my tweet did really well, which my tweets never do. And mm -hmm. like, we got, we got say like, we got like over 800 uh votes on ours and the the top spot got like 120 or something so it, it's like super disproportionate and then yeah i I'm, I'm still trying to find out like what was the spark that made people actually pick up pick up on this maybe it's mm -hmm. just like luck uh but maybe there's something some little bit of accidental genius in the yeah. idea i don't know it it's also very visually grabbing like the the bright pink and uh you know, just color palette it does stand yeah. out and go oh hey what is that yeah it's something that i i think about like from from the very first inception of of an idea like how can i how can i make things uh really stand out and make make people grab their attention and it, it kind of mm -hmm. 
invalidate some some art styles that are kind of like if it was something that's beautiful and subdued that might not stick out as a thumbnail or it might if i can't add enough screen shake it's it, like maybe it's not an idea that i can market with what i what i do mm -hmm. uh and I, and i feel like as i've been tuning this i've been going down various routes of like the river generation and having meshes that kind of move in more organic ways and i've uh, like transparent water effects from the future you know mm -hmm. uh, and i feel like a lot of that kind of detracts from the uh from the clarity and like simplicity of of the original thing and i think if mm -hmm. i if, if that is as you say like it's visually stands out a little bit then polishing it too much might make everything like lose that spark in a way hmm. it's something that i find like when i'm when i do a little bit of like digital painting and the i'm not very good but like the the sketches always have more you know more life and energy and like a movement and everything even mm -hmm. though the anatomy is really off and the shading is terrible or uh perspective is totally wonky it's like okay this has some and then i uh then i then i polish it and kind of fix all the errors and correct the perspective and and like look at some anatomy uh reference images and then it comes out a little bit brown or you know beige and i think that is a, a trap i'm like almost falling in with all this this project right now i need to mm. i need to keep keep that keep that in there almost kind of minimal clutter yeah too much. and not like don't obsess too much <laughs> just but because I, I think people can feel it like if you make music or if you draw something or if you have a game design if it's like over designed they think that you mm -hmm. care too much and it's it's just gets unappealing in in some weird way do you have any tips that you would give to folks that want to get participate in the game jam? You know, they're doing their first one or maybe they're doing their 20th and are just looking for a, a new tip to apply to their. Uh, so I've been asked this question a couple of times recently. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first thing I would say is that I don't think game jams are that good for learning. Um, so if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to do a game jam and learn Unity or learn Game Maker or something, I feel like that might be frustrating. Um, so that's one thing. And also, like, uh, if you're if you're in it to make friends, that might be a really good reason to do a game jam. Also, just dare to do weird weird stuff this is this game was uh, like pink river was quite out out of my comfort zone like i usually do mm -hmm. everything ends up as a platformer at some point uh with me so this was really good it, it's, it's not a platformer and 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 i think that that is like if you're coming back for your 20th game jam then maybe just try to do something that you you think that you wouldn't like or just try to challenge yourself a little bit the coding shops you've built up might like transfer over in, in weird ways that you didn't didn't expect in both ways. Thanks so much for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. 
Thank you for listening in to episode 87 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is recorded using open broadcaster software and edited with Audacity. You can find more of our shows on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Next week, we chat with TryHeart Interactive about their recent release, The Otterman Empire. Thank you again for listening, and we hope to see you then.